Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. In 1981, I became golf correspondent of the Irish Times, and that uh, led me into a serious interest in the game of golf and those involved. A leading figure in Ireland at the time was Harry Bradshaw, so inevitably I, I, we crossed paths. I did get a golf lesson from him in Port Marnock. As usual in these things, when a journalist meets sports person, there's talk about uh, projects like books or recordings of some description. Because Harry's son, Harry Jr., happened to be a, a sound recordist with RTE, I had this idea that we do uh, a special project on Harry. Now, Harry was obviously going to be telling me a lot of different stories about different times in his career, and. Um, it was fairly clear that we would need some form of linkage um, to tie one segment with another. So Neil Tobin struck me as an obvious man for this particular job and um, I approached Neil and uh, as a keen golfer, apart from being a great artist, yeah, he was happy to help and we did the job. The idea was we would have a sort of a fireside chat because Harry, Harry Bradshaw, the Brad, as he, of course he was known, was essentially a storyteller and uh, no better format in which to exploit that than in a fireside chat. We then had people, we needed people to prompt Harry about his more famous stories. And uh, Harry set the tapes rolling and that was it. We have three great outstanding courses in Ireland. You have Royal Port Russian, Royal County Down and Port Mono. And you wouldn't get any better any part of the world. If you could play to your handicap in those three courses, you could play it anywhere in the world. I agree. And off the three of them, I've always said, even before I went there, Eddie Hackett um, was pro there, Eddie was there from 39 to 50, and uh, I always said it was the fairest golf course I have ever, ever played, Port Mono. There's one hole I look on that's fairly easy, and you always look to pick a birdie up on and that is the second. Mm. Now, you don't always do, but what you have in the back of your mind, I drive in a little nine, I knock it up there, hold the putt. And, um, and that's the only hole you might say that it is a birdie hole, yes. really. Yes. You know, yes. of course, the pros nowadays, they hit the ball so far that the six is a birdie hole for them, the 13th is a birdie well, hole for them. The old six them. now, the, the, the new six, six is a bit more difficult, I think. Oh, is yes. It? It, I think Langer there only played in Ireland, and Sandy Lyle, Ireland's for their second yes, end. Yes, yes. And on the, you know, the approach into it is much more difficult for the. Well, it's for very the narrow, amateur, yeah. very narrow entrance. Right. Same with that huge big trap. Mm. On the old right. was easier at that. And point. the thirteenth there, Langer was only using a five iron. The can, of course, there was no wind, and, 
and the 16s were only using a drive and a 5R and a 6R. Mm. was to hit the ball so far nowadays, you know. That's in good conditions. I mean, we play it, you know, yeah, when the good, wind is blowing a little bit. Right. When the wind gets up there, yeah. it's a different kettle. Yeah, the wind gets very narrow. I think one of the best rounds ever played at Port Marlow and the years I up there was Christy O'Connor in the um, Dunlop um, Masters, mm. 1965. The wind and rain coming from the south. I hit two drivers at the first night, and I wasn't a long hitter. I know me. I had two drivers at the first and I couldn't reach the green. Mm. There was only one on that green, they reckon, all day long. And that was Max Fortin with two drivers. Got in five feet. 50 miles an hour, wind and rain. Christie's playing with uh, P. Horalis. Mm. And Christie comes to the 18th and it was playing. I played a drive at the 18th. I couldn't hit a bear. I hit a three wood. Couldn't hit a bear. And I played a six iron to the last. Mm. And I left a five feet when he got a four. Christie's behind me. And Christie wants a four at the 18 for 72 Incredible. and when he came in it was washed out and Bernard I finished 81 and Bernard Hunter's shot behind me 82 and I think the next score came to Christie was 79 mm. you know it was uh, Peter Thompson and um, washed all out and Harry, then, Harry I followed every shot of that from the third hole of Christie's round did you follow that, that? every every shot of it and uh, I must say, it was the greatest round of golf that I've ever seen in my life. The 12th hole in Port Marnock, as you know, is a relatively mm. easy, uh, you know, par three in, in, in club length. He hit a two iron that day at two 12. Iron, yeah. He put it in the bunker on the left. He played a bunker shot out of it, and it went up so high in the in, in the sky that it had never come down. But it came down, it hit the pin, and he finished, you know, an inch or two inches from the hole. Got his three at that. Yeah. He hit, he was the only player that day on the 14 green two shots. That's quite so I was just going to say. Now, quite right. I here. was standing beside him uh, when he came up, and you know the way Christie used to, he'd always carry the driver in his hand, and in the right, right hand, and he you know he, he'd be waggling, and I was standing a yard from him. Now that's how few people were looking at it, and he was on a hanging lie there at the 14. He only barely got out through the gap now with his tee shot. And uh, I saw him with the driver and putting it down behind him. I said, he must be waiting for the caddy to come up. The next thing, Harry, as you know, the left hand went on it. <laughs> and he let it fly with this thing. And there was a crack, like a, a shot out of a point twenty two rifle. And I couldn't believe it. It, it, it. As they say, it went quail high. Right. Straight into the heart of the green. He was the only one. He was the on only that, one. On that, that out of all the players that got the green that, that day. attempted to make the green. They were. That's right. He, he played. He played with Peter Ellis. It was two colossal shots to get to the bunker. Because I played in that. Three, three iron shorter. Half an hour in front of him. Three iron short of the bunker. Right. And this is it. And he, he, it was the most magnificent round I've ever and seen. Henry Cotton, when he played there in 1938, when he beat, Bobby Locke beat him by one, he said the 14th was the best hole in the British Islands. But not nowadays to hit the ball so far, they're only playing nine yards and stuff. But those days you were playing at three yards and four. And those bunkers used to come right up. There's those two big bunkers yawning after, you know, waiting mm. for the ball to come in. Henry mustn't have had any of the famous bacon and egg sandwiches, Harry, when he was playing against Locke that day. So many people go for just bacon and egg sandwich. You know, and it's known all over the world. And there was a chap told me he wasn't a member of Port Marlow, and he went over in business to New York, and he went into this restaurant. He's eating there, and there was a pal with him, and this American heard, and he said, "You're Irish, you see." And he said, "Yes." Where do you come from? He said, "I come from Dublin." 
he said, are you near Port Monarch? Yes, he said, I live in Sutton, just a mile or two down the road. We played over there for 10 days, he said. They played Killarney, Ballybunion, and we ended up in Port Monarch. And he said, what made my holiday, he said, I'll never forget, was the bacon and eggs that we got at Port Monarch. <laughs> bacon <laughs> and eggs sandwich. Yeah, and and he said, I never, that really made my holiday. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, apart what, from Golf Harry, mm-hmm. uh, golfers, you must have played with a lot of very famous people through the years. Played with the, the, the late Bing Crosby at Port Monarch, Bob Hope. And uh, Bing Crosby, had, I played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with Bing, and he won the rounds, on the Thursday round 75. And he was so delighted, he think he won the American Open, the British Open. He was so delighted, I had to sign the card on 75. Shots he went around, and he was five handicapped then. He used to be one. Uh, then I played with Bob Hope, you know, and Bob um, got up onto the, there's a photograph just there, and Coleman Conroy, and this is the time of the Tea Oil was open. All these big famous men used to come over to the Tea Oil in those yeah. days. And then golf during the daytime, the show was on then at night. And um, Bob said to me, walking up the steps on the tea, uh, he said, what's a good score for me? And I said, what's your handicap, Bob? Six, he said. Well, I said, if you get around an 80 here, you're playing some golf. So he said, let's go, you see. And... Uh, uh, Coleman Conroy and myself played the other three. One was a scratchman, and um, we went along anyway. We came to the E, of course, the old E he in, in those days, and we squared the match. But Bob <coughs> hit a drive at the 13. It was a slight wind, about 15 miles an hour, crosswind, and it's a difficult hole, Brian, as you know, and Vincent, mm. that crosswind blown left to right. And he hit a drive, and a three-wood, and a four-wood onto the green and he three-putted, and he finished around in 81. And uh, he was talking about it for two hours later. We're in having lunch and a few drinks. And it, if only I had got down in two putts, he kept saying, I'd have had my eight. And another quarter of an hour, he'd come out with the same. If only I yeah. had got down yeah. in two putts. But there's there were never really, about, the, though, really, isn't it? Yeah. If, they, they were so keen on the game, you know. Yeah. And then I played with Nat King Cole, and he was a grand. I never knew Nat King Cole was a golfer. Yes, I played. Oh, yeah, nine handicaps. I didn't know Harry. I'm a bad singer. I didn't know Harry played the piano. I I always love listening to his song, and he's a beautiful singer. And um, before he went out, and he played with Jimmy Campbell. Used to in the theatre royal. The dance band, the band man. Yeah. 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 Good um, swing. He, I don't know if he did but, but looking at him walking up to the, the steps of Port Martin to the first tee, it looked like he, he, uh, he hadn't gone to bed. So he gets up on the tee and the two caddies and he hits a ball on the heel into the hedge, tees up another on the caddy into the hedge, hits, he hits five into the hedge and he walks back and he said, will you play with this man, Harry? He said, not King Cole. I had a ground round and, and great gentleman, you know, and I played with the throne power to I played oh. at Kikroni with him, and I also mm-hmm. played at Port Moran. All those men, as I said before, they all came to the tea hurrah. But he wasn't much of a guy, he was about 20 handicapped. Harry, I shouldn't be interrupting you here, but uh, poor old Eddie Byrne, uh, who was a great member of Port Moran, I'm sure you played many around with him. I did, Having yes. a ferocious socket on the 15th one day, and looking up to the clouds and saying, my God, my God, come down and help me. Yeah. And he looked up again, he said, come yourself, he said, don't send the boy. <laughs> don't send the boy, yeah. And I'm sure you met... Vincent lo- just asked the question there about Port Martin. You know, there was some 
about famous men, you know. The Archbishop Ryan played there a lot. Mm. I've never played. We used to hit the ball a huge distance, you know. And he played there my, about twice a week. And it, when he came, Archbishop then, he only played once a week. But when he was a priest, he played a couple of times a week. And then we have Bishop Kavanagh. He loves the game. He plays every Tuesday and enjoys the game. He plays with three priests there, and they, they play every Tuesday. I'm sure, Harry, it must have been very embarrassing at times out in Port Marinder to be involved in one of these sort of rowdy four balls with, 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 with Noel Cuddy and... Well, we won't include Vincent or these fellas in it, but there used to be some great... Oh, I played, I played some through. great four balls there. Con Harnell played a great four ball one day, and he said, Harry, you keep yourself free for six o'clock next Wednesday. I said, why, is a big game on. Um, <clears throat> just Roy O'Hanlon. And he was nine handicap. And he said to um, Con in the bar a week beforehand, he said, Con, he said, I'm taking Joe Carr. You can get who you like as a partner. You see? So Con just said, I'll get Jimmy Brune. He said, I, he said, I don't care who you get. He said, I'll get Harry. That's all right. Six o'clock, you see? And uh, that, that Wednesday morning, anyway, this English man came in and he said, would you give me a game? I said, certainly. And went up on the tee and... I, I said, what's your handicap? He was from Royal Mint, sorry. He said he played off scratch. So he was around 74 and I was 70, and he liked the course so much. He said, would you give me a game in the afternoon? I said, saying, what time? Two o'clock. So he's around 75 and I'm around in 70. Now the big game's on for six o'clock the same day, you see? So anyway, we're one up going to the tent, and Con had a friend walking around with us, and going down to 11, uh, I said... If Con knew this was my third round, he'd shoot me. Right. And this chap said, this is not your third, this is my yeah. third round, you see. And he never said anything to Con. So we came on, it anyway, we have the 11, 12. We stood on the 16 tee, Brian. Mm -hmm. All square, you see. And, of course, that tee wasn't on the right at the time. That's the only new tee. Mm. It was the, you know, the tee on the left, the long, narrow yeah. tee. And, of course, Joe walks to the front of it. And shorty, shorty, saying, back here, right back, with two foot in the back. Yes, so-and-so, he says, you know I just can't make it from here. Because I, I knew this. If I get that ball up near the green, I'll make Joe. And I knew Joe, and that's 16 inches, you know, Brian's a difficult green. You know, it slopes from left to right, from left to right. So I hit two good shots up on 30 yards short. Joe hits two in 10 yards from the green, maybe eight yards. I knock it in with a wedge two feet from the hole. Joe plays a little pitch and run, goes seven feet past. He misses, I knock it in one up. And we're both short to the 17, and the pin was up in the right corner, the very back of the green. Right. I played first, I knocked us up two feet again. Joe went five feet past. He missed, and I knocked us in. And we played up to 18, and I had a 40-18, and I was around 70. So I had 70 in the morning, 70 in the afternoon, and 70 in the evening. Well, hi, tell me... What is the best round you've ever had in Port Marnock? Well, over uh, 33 years, Vincent, I had eight 64s. And everything in the hole, I didn't give myself a six-inch put, I put every one of them in the cup. You know? And um, one of the 64s I had, um, I just an uh, Englishman rang me up this Monday morning and he said, are you the prize? I said, yes, I answered the phone. And he said, would you give me a game? Wednesday. I said, certainly. What time? Um, 
half past ten. I said, what's the name? Corlin Smith, you see? So he arrives there about quarter past ten, and he stayed in the Grand Hotel in Greystone. It was a grand den, it was the Letouche now, I think they call it. But anyway, uh, he arrived with his wife and little daughter, you see, about eight years of age, and a caddy. It seemed he was over before, and he had this caddy a year previous to it, and he liked this caddy and brought him round to Middletown Hermitage. And the different courses. So anyway, he said, uh, walking up the steps, I said, I always made sure that Aston had ever played there before. And of course, you remember the rough of Vincent and Eddie when the rough was up to your knees. Yes, and right. If you hit the ball in, it was five to one with your fines or not. And that rough. Well, and I wasn't you've lost too many golf balls over the years, <laughs> I, I might lose one in, in, in five years, Vincent. <laughs> but going back to this, I said to this Carlin Smith, I said to him, Carlin, what's your handicap? He said, nine. I said, I'll give you... Um, I said, I'll give you 15 shots. That was all barred short. And he looks at And he said, I said, my handicap is nine, not 19. So I said, whether it's nine or 19, I said, I'll give you 15 shots. And he said, by Jove, I'm not a betting man. I'll have 10 pounds worth of that. And I said, no, I didn't say for that reason. I'll give you a chance to withdraw that. No, he said, I'll stick. There's no so-and-so ever gave me um, 15 shots. I'm a very good nine handicap at Lindrick. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select Seat-Only Reservation Free Travel Scheme and pay just €2 Euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. So anyway, off we go anyway, and I walked off the fifth green, playing against them. Fifteen shots for the first five holes. And I walked off the fifth green, one up on them, and I came to the ninth, and I was just in on the green, and the, the hole was at the back of the green, and I just put for 29 hours, and I hit the hole and jumped out, and I knocked us in, uh, out in 30, and back in 34. At the nine, coming up the ninth, his wife and little daughter walked in for coffee. And the man, of course, was the old Aheen then, you see, and she just came out and we walked into the green. And she said, darling, how did you get on? He said, darling, he said, this fella gave me 15 shots. You didn't lose, darling, did you? <laughs> he said, I certainly did. I lost on the 15-43. And when you get back to Lindley, don't tell anyone that this so-and-so gave me 15. 
15 shots. <laughs> well, she said, I won't mention it at all, you know? And that was the one of the, uh, the great ever, rounds I had. Did you ever take any money off Noel Cuddy out there playing golf? He was a hard man to take money off. By golly, I'm telling you, he, he, he was... he was. I remember him when he was down five and six handicap, and he was a hard man to be. And he's still now... He's a man of 82 now at the moment, and it's still hard to take money off, you know? Because he was a the bustle if people. He, if... Um, if you didn't beat him at the golf, he'd talk you out of it. You know? <laughs> he's a, one of the great characters left at Portmore. You know? And he's, his first round, the first time he played there was 1928, and he's playing since 1920 and playing to the present day, which is really wonderful. He's a man in V2 now. Mm -hmm. And he loves the game. Harry, you had a fabulous uh, uh, putting round, uh, you know, in Portmore. Did you, did you equal or beat the world record or something? For oh, yes. Uh, I remember playing a four ball there. There was uh, the two McInerney brothers, Dan and Ambrose. And um, I'm playing with Ambrose. And Dan was about 14 handicap. Well, he was some 14 handicap, you know. And walking up the steps, Ambrose said to Dan, you're going to be beaten this afternoon. I said, well, listen to that a long time. Adam, how long is it since we were beaten? Adam Whiston was his partner. Uh, he was the pro at Foxtrot at that time. And he said, how long is this since... Ali said, Mr. Mackin must be 15 or 18 months since we were beaten. And my partner said, you're going to be beaten today. So I got the putter red hot, you see, and we polished them off on the uh, 16. And we have the 17 and 4, and they doubled up the bets, and we had just a fiver on it, Adam, myself. And um, we doubled the quits in the last two holes. We have the 17 and 4, come up the 18, Adam hits a drive and a 4 iron two feet from the hole. The hole was in the left corner, which is a difficult place. And it was a good nine there, and I hit it up the green, and in it dropped, and we gave Adam the two two feet to pass. So <clears throat> we're in having a cup of tea, and I was called out to the shop anyway, and um, when I was out at the shop, the counters up the putts I had. And they said to me, how many putts do you think you're around? And I said, I've no idea. I know it was low. I said, do you know how many you're around? I said, you tell me, you're around in 21 putts. Three weeks later, I'm playing with a big fella named Bill Dundon. You know, oh, remember yes, Bill, he yes, went yes, to South, South Africa. Africa. You remember Bill, right. yes, yes, six yes, handicap, yes, three right. weeks later. And I played with him, and I had 19 putts. Now, I had 15 one putts. I had two putts at the fifth, and I had two putts at the eleventh. And I hold a chip at the ninth, from Little Holland, and, and I, I missed the green on the right at the eight, and I chipped up, and I left itself around the pin and stayed there. Yeah. I believe at one time, Harry, you were, you, were, you were thinking of giving up the golf altogether and taking up this rings game that uh, they used to play on the, on, on the, 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 the cruises, on these boats, Coming back years and years ago. South Africa, yeah? Yeah. Uh, we were out there for four months, uh, Fred Daly and... Uh, Ken Bowesfield and John Panson. Coming back, and there was a competition, of course we all entered, you know. There was a man there, and, and he was playing this quiet, you know. And he said he was champion for 15 years. And I was a lad, I was quite good at it, you see. And uh, I spent a couple of hours with him the first day on the ship and a couple of hours in the afternoon playing great game. And he said, you know, you're good at this, you see. And there was, um, they had a, a prize for it anyway, and I put him out the second round, you see. So I, just, uh, then we used to have games playing there, past a few hours, you know. And um, you went along with your name, 
here in a little car, you see, and I'm playing just Mrs. Morrison. And I said to this man, excuse me, I'm playing this lady, lady, putting competition, All right. you mm. see. So he said, that's all right. So he sat down on the deck chair and uh, she said, when do you want to play it? I said, I don't mind. Would you play it now? I said, all right. So I went back to the man and said, we're playing just, we'd be half an hour and an hour. He said, well, that's all right. I enjoyed the sun here and he's sitting back in the deck chair. So anyway, I went up to the, uh, just board and a hold on it, just green autumn. and uh, I picked up the putter and uh, I caught it by the head and kept getting the shaft this way. You see. <laughs> the shaft finally And I, down I the put head, the head, you know, <laughs> upside down. <laughs> and she said, "You haven't played this game before." And she said, "Now place that left hand on the the shaft of the club and bring your right. Keep three fingers there. Now try a few put back and forth. So I tried this about six times. Now she said, "I won't take an unfair advantage. We play nine holes, and then and then after the nine, the game starts. You see. So anyway, um, we play the nine holes. Now the game starts. Now if I win the first, I'm one up and eight to go. If you win the second, we're all squared and seven. Oh, she went through it all. You see. <laughs> So anyhow, we're all square after nine, and I gave the knock up the floor, uh, sudden death, and into the hole. And she, she said, congratulations. She said, you have a wonderful touch. You should take up this game. <laughs> Real serious, no smile on my face, you see. So I went back and played quiet anyway, this man. He said, did you be her? I said, I just be her, you see. So anyway... She said, I played a fellow named Harry Brown. She got the, the husband, looking out the porthole, and said, and he never played golf before. He cut the club the wrong end. And where is he, darling? There he is. They looking. I could see the two looking out. And she pointed. He said, "Dad, they're the four international golfers. They came over to play it here for four months." And she got out, you see. And I heard just thump down the deck. I said to me, and I had me back to her. I said, "Somebody in a hurry," and she hit me a thump with her fist right between the shoulder blade and she flattened me you nasty man I discovered who you are now she said remember the Just story Harry uh, I, think, I think one of the funny ones the Silver King representative oh, yes. wanted to find out who these great golfers in Ireland were and you had some story about the Mac and the Marys, I think they were. Yeah, that was a birthday. We were playing a big pro-am there, and, and I was beaten on the 19, and uh, came in, had lunch. I'm in the locker room, you see, and this head man of Silver King, man, managing director, and he said, my God, he said, Ireland is a, for a small country. He said, you have Jimmy Broom, he said, you have Joe Carr and Fred Day. And Fred was after winning the Open, and then a few, two months after, he won the match play, the news the war. All in the one year, very few golfers achieved that. So we stroke playing match play, you see. And he said to me, for a small country, he said, uh, it's great, you see. So uh, I said, um, yeah, I said, we've two brothers, McLemars, back home. And uh, I said, they can give Joe Carr six shots, and they can give Jimmy Broom six shots, and they give Fred Daly. Four shots, you see? So anyway, um, and I said, any course to play on it, if they had a shot over 64, they go to the lake and throw their clubs in. <laughs> he said, are they that good? I said, oh, they're fantastic players, you see? He said, I've never heard tell them what club that these brothers come from. I said, a little course down in Wexford, you see? And of course, the representative of Silver Kings, Tom Cullen's name, was here in Abbey Street. 
And two weeks later, I go in, knock at the door, and um, this man's behind the desk column, and he said, he nearly jumped over, he nearly jumped down my neck over the desk. He said, you know, Annie McLamar's brothers. You see, so I said, uh, the only McLamar I know is La Hinge. That's what I wrote in tone. And the penny never dropped to go home that night in bed at 11 o'clock, and it all came back, and I took a fit of laugh, and I laughed for about a quarter of an hour, you see. And um, what happened was the managing director, Silver King from England, wired over, sent a, let's say, telephone and said, uh, Tom, he said, Harry Branch, I was Harry talking to... <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Same Harry enough. Branch yes. two days ago, and he said... <clears throat> Would you get these McLemars and sign them up to play Silver King golf ball? <laughs> I see this. So just Tom Cullen goes down to uh, Wexford, <laughs> goes around Wexford. A man got dizzy in the head. No, no, McLemar is here. <laughs> McLemar never heard of McLemar. And then poor man wasted a day down in Wexford looking for him, you see. So I went, I went in the next morning, he told me this, and um, I said, I'm terrible sorry. And uh, so I'll have to drop a line uh, to this managing director. And he said, it'd be no harm. So I dropped a line and said, uh, it was a nervous joke, a terrible sorry. And I was talking to the, one of the McLemars brothers um, two weeks ago and this decided to give up the golf that there was more money leading the band. <laughs> McLemars band. You and Christy travelled around the world for many years playing exhibition matches and places far out where there was no communications or communications weren't good, like Arabia, places like that, and uh, took money off the Arabs, I believe. That's true. Um, Brian, I remember playing in Egypt, and we're playing there, a big international, Bobby, the late Bobby Locke was playing, and two different countries. They picked out about 15 countries. And Christy myself was picked for Ireland. And we went along there, and the heat there, never forget it. And on the outside of the golf course is a race course. And um, this uh, morning we played and um, played around. And we came in, had lunch, and we sat down in deck chairs, you see. And four fellas passed onto the first tee, and they came back one and said, Would you fellas like to make. Um, a four ball. You see, there's two chaps and we all, we have two four balls going every afternoon. But the other two um, guys couldn't make it. Would you like to make up a four, you see? So they came out and, and one was a big sergeant from Egypt and uh, he played off a scratch. And the American with him, he played off a one handicap. So we asked him on the tee what the handicap and he said scratch and one. And of course I opened my mouth a little wide. I said, we'll give you four up. So uh, the sergeant said, what do you want to play for? Well, and I said, um, 25 pounds. Is that all, said this fella, you see? Well, I said, we haven't got much money over here. I said, well, if you ever drop off a Shannon for a day or two, Christy myself will take you on for whatever lolly you want. So we went along, we stood on the 18 tee, and we're all square, you see? And I bent my ball out of bounds, one of the few times I put a ball out of bounds in my lifetime. Yeah. And um, Chris hit a great drive up the middle, and, and this sergeant hit a good drive up. And um, this chap, sergeant takes over four iron, leaves it two feet from the hole. Two feet. And it was a great finish in the hole. Chris puts on the back, he didn't just miss the putt, and he knocked it in, you see. Came in, you see. 
So we gave him the £25 we're having an afternoon tea and I said, any chance of getting our, getting our money back? And they said, all right, what time is suit you? 11 o'clock, they said. So I said, all right. So Christy and myself, um, we back to the hotel and we slept out at about 10 o'clock. We'd no breakfast around. We came up fighting fit. And I said to Christy, we've got to get nine bodies out the first nine hole and we'll crush these men to the ground. I, we said we play it for twenty-five pounds four up. That was all right. A smile, and we play it for twenty-five pounds three up. I said that's all right. I suppose they said we'll win the four up and we'll uh, lose the three up. So we'll come out left. We've got twenty-five pounds. I never saw Christie is determined to win again. I was the same. We're just showing this scratch man on one hand how what we could do, and you know the first nine holes with eight parties, and of course they were gone after that. We beat them anyway, so uh, at the end of the day, we won £25. But never we came to Ireland for a replay, Harry. They never came to Shannon, <laughs> you know. They might have if they had a, won, <laughs> won the second day, I think they might have came to Shannon, say there's easy mo uh, money, mon easy money over in Ireland. There Harry, we go. they probably would have played with the McNamara's if they had come to Ireland. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes.